knew him, hymn 253, it is a marriage hymn. O perfect love, all human thought transcending. O perfect love, all human thought transcending. Lowly we kneel in prayer before your throne. O perfect love, all human thought transcending, lowly we kneel in prayer before your throne. O perfect love, all human thought transcending, lowly we kneel in prayer before your throne. All right. O perfect love, what is that? What now? Um, more than that. It's God himself. Um, yes, this is a prayer. It's describing him. And so it has the L in capitals. And so it's describing um, uh, the God, the triune God, who sent his son even while we were still sinners to save us. He is, oh, perfect love. So we're addressing him as, oh, perfect love. Uh, beyond, he transcends all human thought. You might... Uh, tell someone that you love them. Is that same as what God? No, not even, even close. This one who is the perfect love transcends, goes beyond uh, anything that, that, we can, that we can think of. Um, as I said, the one who sent his son to die for us even while we were still sinners uh, because he loved us. So, to this perfect love, we come, and what do we do? We kneel in prayer, and we pray to him. We pray, um, and here it says, before your throne. Uh, the Lutheran uh, theology always describes the throne as the throne of grace. That is the place where we go. It's not the throne as in the golden throne, as in God in all his glory, uh, which no one can approach, but we come in grace before your throne uh, to pray. And what are we going to ask God for? That theirs may be the love which knows no ending. Whom you forevermore unite in one. That theirs may be the love which knows no ending. Whom you forevermore unite in one. Whom you forevermore unite in one. So what's it talking about here? That theirs. What's theirs? That theirs may be the love which knows no ending. You know, actually, it's probably talking about the bride and groom. This is kind of a, a wedding hymn. And so we're talking about the bride and groom. But what does it mean, theirs? It must belong to them. What belongs to them? So we're talking about the love that the bride and groom have, and we're praying about that theirs, that is, the love that the bride and groom have. But what about the love that they have? Theirs, 
that theirs, their love, may be the love, may be a particular kind of love. What kind of love? One which knows no... What did you say? Well, actually, we're, you know, I think it's telling the same thing in the third and fourth line here. Um, it's not just saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just the, um, you know, the popular I'll love you forever. Well, I, you know, I'm going to die. You're going to die. Um, marriage is for this earth and for this earth alone. Um, that the love that they have might be the love which knows no ending. And so we're asking that they might have, well, faith in Christ, that they might know Jesus Christ. And so the first thing we pray for concerning the husband and wife is that they might have faith, that they might know Christ, the one who has love for us and knows no ending. And as it goes on, whom you forevermore unite in one. And so it's describing what kind of marriage? And I know you kind of go, is it our love? Well, uh, church and Christ, absolutely. And so it starts off with a stanza that really says, first of all, we ask that the bride and groom might both be the bride of Christ that they both might have the love that knows no ending, that they might have Jesus Christ, and in that way they'll be united. That marriage, the marriage between the church and Jesus Christ, is the one that lasts forever. And so we have that uh, listed. It is going to go on to talk about, then, uh, having been united with Christ uh, and praying to the one who is perfect love, uh, we pray for the well, what would we call it? The natural, the earthly benefits of marriage itself. Questions? All right, stanza uh, number one of 253. Mm -hmm. Oh, perfect love of human thought transcending, though This evening, we're dealing with the daily prayers. In fact, we're going to, well, deal with all of them. Uh, there are four. If you go to the front part of the hymnal, you can see them on page 305 and then over to 306. There is the morning prayer and the evening prayer and the ask a blessing and the returning of thanks. In the morning, when you wake up, or when you get up, Make the sign of the Holy Cross and say, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Why do we begin with those words? What's so special about those words? 
Okay? First of all, those are the words that our Lord Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 to baptize with. To apply water and use the words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So by doing that, we say it's a remembrance of our baptism. It identifies to whom we are speaking. Absolutely. And so who are we talking to? The triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is that important? Because apart from him, there is no God. That is the one only, the one true God. Uh, one of the weddings that we went to, um, I'm pretty sure that they did not believe in the Trinity. And I'm not just saying this because, well, they didn't mention those words, and there was no mention of the Father or the Holy Spirit, but those congregations referred to as apostolic Pentecostals denied the Trinity. And so, now, what's interesting is, did anybody notice in the congregation? Um, now, the cross was put up by our family member because there was no cross up there. They made it for that thing, and I'm pretty sure they'll probably take it down as soon as they leave because graven images are not allowed in that church. And someone said, well, they're Pentecostal. They must talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. I said, no. Did they mention the Holy Spirit? Not really. What did they do? It was Jesus, and Jesus only, and always Jesus, and that was it. Um, Vint is familiar with those that have Jesus only and deny the Trinity. Um, we, and so, is it important? Absolutely. Who are we praying to? The Father who created us, the Son who redeemed us, the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us. Absolutely. Three. Baptism? The God that we're talking to? What about baptism? Right. This says, I was baptized, and if I was baptized, I became God's child in holy baptism. What does it say in Matthew 2, or what does it say in Acts chapter 2, verse 38? Repent and be baptized, everyone, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and be baptized. And the promise is for you and your children. The promise of the Holy Spirit. This is a reminder of what? I am God's child. I've been given, I got the promise of the Holy Spirit to be with me. Um, that's, a, that's a good reminder. Good. I need to know that God is with me and that he has given me that promise. So, we say that when you wake up. Uh, and then it says, uh, you can say the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. The Apostles' Creed, what does the Apostles' Creed teach us? Who God is and what he has done for us. Um, you can do it with those words. Uh, you can do it with some italics. Uh, that says, the Heavenly Father is given to us through the preaching of the Holy Gospel by the Holy Spirit, redemption and salvation obtained by Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. It is therefore certain that we are justified by faith alone, not on account of our merits. The Father created us, the Son redeemed us, the Holy Spirit. It tells us 
who our God is and what he has done for us. What about the Lord's Prayer then? What's the Lord's Prayer for? It's a prayer. What kind of what does it? Have? Luther has his own little prayer, but we say the Lord's Prayer each time too. Welcome. Okay, so when Jesus tells us to pray to our Father who art in heaven, the Son of God knows the Father, doesn't he? He knows the perfect will of the Heavenly Father. And the Lord's Prayer um, teaches us God's will for us, what he wants us to ask for, and what he promises to give us. And what he promises to give us. He wants us to pray for these things because Jesus has taught us, and he wants to give us these things so that we say amen to those. Absolutely. So, we say the Apostles' Creed, we say the Lord's Prayer, and it says, and then, if you desire, you may also say, if you choose, you may also say this little prayer. Repeat after me. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, so we begin with thanksgiving. We thank him. Uh, we thank him especially for his dear son. That you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. That you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. So while we were sleeping, he took care of us. And so if we wake up in the morning, uh, we give him thanks, and uh, we're glad that he has protected us through the night. And I pray that you would keep me this day also. From sin and every evil. So I'm getting ready to go throughout the day, and I need his protection again throughout this day uh, to keep me from sin, from the evil that would come uh, against me and would, would harm me, and so to protect me from those things. That all my doings in life may please you. And so we remind ourselves, what is my job this day? My job is to please my Lord. Uh, that's what I want to please him with all my doings, with all my life. Uh, does that mean, oh, I, if I'm going to please the Lord, I need to forsake my wife and children, and I need to go away and, and pray on my knees for hours? No. It means to do your vocation. God has given you a wife and children. Take care of them. If he has not... Well, then, that's the Lord's doing as well. If the Lord provides you with a house, take care of the house. If he doesn't provide you with the house, you take care of what he has given you. And so, wherever God has placed you, uh, that is the way in which you are to, you are to please him. Uh, this was the problem with the monasteries and things of that sort. They came up with their own ways of pleasing God, which God had not set. And then what they did is they left the vocations that God had given in order that they might run away to a monastery. That was the problem. All right? That all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself. For into your hands I commend myself. My body and soul. My body and soul. And all things. And all things. So we commend to him, we give over to him, we say to him, Lord, all of this is, is 
is yours. Whatever I have, my body, my possessions, all that I have, I give it to you. Help me to use it in a God-pleasing way. That is, if God has given me a house, I don't want to use it for bad purposes. I want to use it for good purposes. Um, let your holy angel be with me. That the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The holy angel. Um, does God send angels to watch over us? Absolutely. In fact, he even talks about these little ones who his angels always see the face of my Father in heaven. And so we know that uh, God sends angels to watch over. We even have angels that watch over the church. Um, so could it be referring to angels? Yeah, absolutely. Could it be referring to, when it talks about the holy angel, could it be referring to Michael the archangel or one of these that are kind of the uh, head angel watching over God's church? Uh, for we see this in the book of Revelation and things of that sort. Absolutely, um, you know, or, or, or a Gabriel. Nevertheless, um, with Luther as an Old Testament scholar of sorts, um, there is in the Old Testament often this uh, angel of the Lord, which is none other than Jesus himself. And so the promise that God is with us, that your only angel might be with me, um, sending, that would be our, our Savior, Jesus, to always go with us. And in that way, we have no power uh, can be, uh, uh, it can't be taken out of Jesus' hands. And so we have this, this promise. At the end, it says, then go joyfully to your work, singing a hymn like that of the Ten Commandments, or whatever your devotion may suggest. There are a couple of hymns that deal with the Ten Commandments in our, our hymnal uh, that we could go about, about singing, or simply a reciting of the Ten Commandments or sort. The Ten Commandments, well, we've already had the Creed, which tells us who God is and what he has done. We have the Lord's Prayer, which tells us what God wants us to pray for and the things that we need. With the Ten Commandments, it specifically teaches us the will of God, what it is that God desires, his standard. But if we go about our day, and now, with God's help, we see these are the Ten Commandments, what will the Ten Commandments do? Ultimately, show us our sin. By the time you get to the end of the day, you'll be ready to say, yep, here was the Ten Commandments. Here is how well I did. Uh, I cursed at my neighbor. I lost my temper. I attributed to God cursing rather than blessing. I was stealing. I was anger, um, wanting to hurt others. I was not devoting myself to the word of God and to prayer, but to, and so we fall short. And so when you get back then to your bed at the end of the day, you don't say, Lord, I was really good. You ought to be happy with me. Instead, it says in the evening when you go to bed, make the sign of the Holy Cross and say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now what about those words? 
You, you get to forgiveness pretty quick, don't you? First of all, it's about baptism. And baptism is about the washing away of sins. And I begin to know qu quickly, kind of going, even at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, I'm rested, I'm ready to go. I'm a child of God. At the end of the day, I need God to remind me again, you are my child. Um, yes, we're still praying to the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, it is the one who receives our prayers because of Jesus. Then kneeling or standing, repeat the creed and the Lord's Prayer. Once again, we're never done with praising God with the creed, who he is and what he has done, uh, that we might thank him for being that kind of God, that we might continue to ask him for the things that, that we need, particularly things like forgive us our trespasses at the end of the day. If you choose, you may also say this little prayer. Repeat after me. I thank you, my Heavenly Father. I thank you, my Heavenly Father. Through Jesus Christ, your dear Son. And when you get to the end of the day, I always uh, I remember is there's two graciouslys. Uh, the prayer at the beginning doesn't have the graciously in it, but the, two at, the one at the end has graciously twice. That you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong. And graciously keep me this night. So, as you have graciously, what? Kept me this day. Now I pray for forgiveness and I ask you would graciously keep me this night. So this kind of grace that uh, hems in the day, morning and evening. Uh, despite my sinning in the morning, he's gracious in the morning and gracious in the Despite my sinning throughout the day, he's gracious in the morning and gracious in the evening and, and providing. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. Holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. It says, then go to sleep at once and in good cheer. And in the portals of prayer. What did you say? And in the portals of prayer. Is it in the front? Usually it's in the front page or the back page or something, the isn't it? Page. Yes, excellent, excellent. So that you say, ah, here's kind of the first part, and then usually you add your own little prayer or the devotion or something like that. So absolutely, I think it would be a perfect thing to, to put together with a daily kind of devotion. So excellent. Um, I will tell you that despite growing up in a Christian family, and not just a Christian family, but growing up in the Lutheran church, and uh, my parents took me to church every Sunday. When the church doors were open, we went. Uh, despite that, uh, my parents didn't know about the catechism. That is, they didn't know that that's what you needed to teach your children so that they could recite it from memory. And so I did go to confirmation for three years. I had a large orange book. It was about this thick. And every now and then in the sidebar, they would list the catechism off to the side. This lesson is about creation. And they would put a little something off to the side. But we never learned it, and I never knew it was that big a deal or that important. 
It wasn't until seminary that uh, the professor said, if you haven't memorized and learned the, Lord, uh, the small catechism, you're going to have to or you will not pass this class. So I spent part of my seminary learning by heart the small catechism. Uh, did not realize how very important it was. And in fact, uh, although many other parts of the catechism I know by heart, I use quite often, I will say the morning prayer in particular, morning and evening prayer, are, um, I find to be of immense value uh, for myself. Uh, when I get out of bed, I my, swing my feet out, my feet touch the floor, but before I take a step, I say the morning prayer, and the whole thing is it's listed here. Uh, I try to remember to say it evening. I'm a morning person, and at night, I most of the time don't quite get it done, but um, I find that immensely important, uh, especially on those days when after you've taken your first step, things go crazy and you don't get the stuff done that you wanted and you may not get to your Bible that day. Uh, this hems in that day uh, with, uh, with importance, important things. Two more prayers, asking a blessing and returning thanks. Uh, this was taken from uh, monasticism, that is, Luther uh, spent many years in the monastery. They often would have uh, the main meal of the day was often done in silence, except for a reader. And so you would come, you would sit down, and uh, there would be prayers that were spoken, similar to this Ask a Blessing or Returning Thanks, and in the middle there might be one person that was set aside to read, and he might read from the church fathers or something like that uh, while they were partaking of one of their meals throughout the day. I don't remember if it was lunch or dinner, which one kind of it was. And so uh, Luther took this ask a blessing and this returning thanks. It was normally the main meal of the day in which you would take you know, a good hour, maybe more, uh, in which there would be conversation as well as teaching of the head of the household with the family or as they would have done in monasticism uh, with, with the whole, um, with all the monks. The children and members of the household shall go to the table reverently, fold their hands and say, and this is a quote from Psalm 145, the eyes of all look to you, O Lord. You give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. When Luther was asked by his barber to teach him how to pray, to give him a prayer booklet, Luther wrote a little booklet called, I think it's called How to Pray for Peter the Barber, is what it is. It's a small booklet. Um, one of the things that Luther talks about in connection with prayer is the reason that most people don't pray, can't pray, or say, I just don't know what to pray for, is because they're not reading the Word of God. Without reading the Word of God, of course you're not going to know what to talk about. Uh, in the same way that uh, if, I want to, if I want to talk to you, Karen, I better find out about you. Otherwise, I don't know what to talk to you about. Do you like gardening? Do you like board games? Do you like, what, what am I going to talk to you about? Well, Luther says, what do you do? You read God's Word, a chapter or a paragraph or a section, and then you stop and you pray, and then you read some more of God's word, and you stop and you pray. 
In this way, it becomes a conversation. What God tells us we need, we ought to ask him for. What he tells us he has done for us, we ought to thank him for. What it, when it shows us our sins, we ought to confess it. When it tells us uh, the great things that God has done, we ought to praise him. So also here then, as we begin our prayer, Luther often would have what was kind of an antiphon, a section from God's word, and then the prayer. It's based on it. Um, everybody in creation, the eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you're the one who gives it to them. Now that I know that, hmm, as a man, I'm going to thank God. I'm going to ask him to bless this food because he's given it to me. And so, con having completed Psalm 145, 15 and 16, knowing that he opens his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing, it says, then shall be said the Lord's Prayer and the following. Repeat after me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, bless us in these your gifts, which we receive from your bountiful goodness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. So we ask a blessing. We ask a blessing on ourselves. We ask a blessing on the food. Uh, God has created both of us, and we ask that it might be used rightly uh, and that it might uh, work towards the uh, pleasing him and our doing in life. How come he gives us this food and how blesses us? It's out of his bountiful goodness. Remember it again. Psalm 145 didn't say that God gives to the good birds food, but to the bad birds, he doesn't. It says he opens his hand and satisfies all living creatures, even those that deny him, even those that turn away from him and do evil, the Lord provides out of bountiful goodness. So we should not think that my hands have done this, I deserve this. At the end of you know, receiving of our, of our food, we ought to say, this is the bountiful goodness of God who has opened his hands and provided for us. Returning thanks, you get done eating. After eating, they shall in like manner, reverently and with folded hands, say, and Luther puts the Bible verse at the beginning, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. All the things that people trust in, our strength, our whatever. No? Why is it? The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. He is the loving one. He is giving this. We trust in him and, and thus fear and loving him. That is the one who pleases him. So it starts out talking about the Lord whose love endures forever, but ends up explains who is the one that pleases God. If you want to use this to the blessing, here is the way you please God. Then shall be said the Lord's Prayer and the following. We thank you, Lord God, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord God, Heavenly Father. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For all your benefits. 
who lives and reigns with you forever and ever. Amen. So, we give thanks for all the benefits he showers on us. Those are the four prayers that are included in Luther's small catechism. Question? All right, let me light the rest of the candles, and we'll begin. The Order of Vespers. Page 224, please stand. O oh Lord, open my lips. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. It's Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 36. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is God's word. Our hymn is hymn 253. Our new marriage hymn. love of human thought transcending 
of which knows no ending. Whom you forevermore unite in one. Oh, perfect life be now their full assurance of tender charity printed fast faith of patient hope and quiet brave endurance with childlike trust that fears no pain or strife. And from that joy which brightens earthly sorrow, grant them the peace which calms all earthly strife. And to life's glorious unknown morrow that dawns upon eternal love and life. Luke chapter 6. Do not judge. Or judge not. Well, I guess there's different kinds of judging. You can judge. Um, what if, what if I make a judgment that it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere? That would be a judgment. What about it? <laughs> it's wrong. poor. It's wrong. It's a false judgment. And so you can make a judgment about things, but you can have, well, the wrong judgment. It can be false. It can be poor. It's in the right arena, though, correct? We can judge doctrine. Ah. Right? Let's talk about another kind of judging. Hmm? Um, what if... Uh, what if I, hmm, what would I say? What if I go into another church? Um, I walk out of here tonight and I decide to go down to another church down the street and I walk in there and I start telling them that they're doing it wrong. That's judging of doctrine, isn't it? Um, it's not necessarily wrong to judge doctrine, just as we, you know, we make judgments about, um, well, we make judgments about life. Uh, a baby in the womb is just that, a baby, not a uh, mass of tissue. It's, you know, to end it is to kill a, a human life. So we make judgments about, about these things. We can judge. I can say we can judge in life. We can judge concerning what is uh, right and wrong even in this world. We can judge concerning doctrine. 
I don't want to make a wrong judgment in doctrine. There's a difference between right judgments and wrong, drug, and wrong judgments. There is also judging that can be, and I guess what I was trying to illustrate with a, as a pastor, I'm the pastor of this church, uh, and so it's given me to judge concerning the, the sheep. Other congregations have their own pastor. Uh, it's not given to me. I can't walk in there and say, listen, I'm coming into your pulpit because I'm not there. In the same way that I would say, you know, my neighbor next door may be feeding their kids peanut butter and jelly, but I have no authority to walk over there and say, well, I'm a father. Yeah, but I'm not their father. And so if they choose to feed them peanut butter and jelly, that's, you know, fine. Um, yes. So I, I want to be that way. And so I want to talk about the judging. You're right, the different things we, we can judge. Is it that when it says judge not, it's not about uh, saying, well, doctrine, you can't judge? or is that, No, not at all. Yeah. I, it's obvious because it broke the ten, one of the Ten Commandments. So I sure. can't say whether something is sin or not. Definitely. Absolutely. And you may even tell your neighbor. Um, no, I don't think you're required to go over there to point out. But in conversation and talking, whatever, uh, this may be perfectly within the realm of saying, yes, you know, um, damn, that's sin. I wouldn't do that. Absolutely. This particular passage, Luke chapter 6, when it says judge not, what kind of judging is it talking about? Simply put, hypocritical judging. When it gets to the end, uh, verse, well, I guess it's the last verse, huh? 42, hypocrite! Aha! That's the kind of judging that Jesus is speaking about. And what is he forbidding? Hypocritical judging. That is, in which you yourself curse and swear, and then you come and you accuse someone else and hold them to a standard that you yourself wouldn't condemn. Uh, you do it, but you won't allow them to. That is a hypocritical judging. Okay. Do you point out your own sin? So you're holding them to the same, you say, well, yes. I hold myself to the same standard I hold you to. If I've sinned, point it out. I'll confess it. Absolutely. We always want to be able to say, you know, I wouldn't say anything that, you know, if, if I'm doing it, point it out to me. I'll confess it. So yes, I think we have to be careful you know, that we're not going around pointing out other people's sin, but not dealing with our own. Now, you might say, well, I didn't steal and they stole. Well, but what did you do? So yes, I need to make sure that I too am confessing my sin. Right? Very good. So, 
A blind man can't lead another can't lead another blind man. Exactly. Um, a blind man, what's the problem? <laughs> but he really wants to help his neighbor. He'll lead the other blind man right into the pit. Uh, the point being is that what? You need to be able to see. How do you get that sight? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Through the teaching of the word of God, which shows me my sins and by which I'm forgiven. And so I begin to realize and I'm taught those things. So yes, um, all of us are blind. We need to be able to see. Um, if my neighbor has a sin and I go to take care of it all the while, I have a log in my own eye, I can't help him. But to what standard do I hold myself? It starts off, well, verse 37 starts off, judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not, you will not be condemned. And then it says forgive and you will be forgiven. How does it start off with verse 36? Therefore, be merciful as your Father also is merciful. How are we to be? We have a heavenly Father who, yes, points out our sins, but is merciful. Merciful. How often do you sin? When does he draw the line and say, that's it? You sinned one too many times. No, you've sinned again, and on every evening prayer you say, forgive me my sins where I have done wrong. And he does. Um, to confess your sins, we have a merciful Heavenly Father. That is the way we are to be. Not harsh, uh, but merciful. Uh, pointing out sins, yes. Uh, but wanting to come to forgiveness. And so our guide, you would say, is none other than God himself and his word who teaches us both law and gospel, who shows sins but also forgives. Uh, in this way, what does it say? Um, as you have been given. Have you been given forgiveness? How much? A little at the bottom of the barrel? Halfway up? Put in. Out of down. Put in again. Put in again, running over the top. That is the way that we are to be. Yes, at times we point out sins, but we're also quite generous with the forgiveness of sins, with the teaching that God has been merciful to us and, and is uh, forgiving us. Um, in that way, we can help our neighbor. And so this is talking about hypocritical judging, in which you do not let the word of God to judge yourself, but you judge others. There's nothing wrong with judging. We do have to be careful, though, in certain things. For example, the pastor with the congregation, uh, father and mother with their children, their household. You've been given a certain realm, uh, just as a judge has been given a county or something in which he has authority. Um, we're not to overstep over, over, those, over those things. Uh, but we can bear witness uh, to the truth where God has placed us. Questions? All right. In our yellow sheet, we've got our reciting of the text of the six chief parts. Your help.
Ten Commandments, Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer, Lord's Prayer, Baptism. Baptism. You want to help out? Vint, you want to help me? You want to do the part on baptism? I'll tell you when. You do confession. You do Lord's Supper? Thank you. Uh, does everybody have recite word by word? Uh-oh, some don't. I may have the wrong ones. Better check and see. Has Vint got the right one? Uh-oh, help Violet out. We're trying to trick her. Okay. I think we're ready now. Please stand. The law of God reproves... Oh, the Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. The law of God reproves all sin and brings God's wrath. The law requires the entire confidence of the whole heart of man. In repentance, we acknowledge our sin, that there is no good in us. Without faith in Jesus Christ, all are utterly lost. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, we implore you, that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by your governance that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly quietness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Heavenly Father, teach us uh, that we might examine ourselves truthfully. And we ask, dear Lord, that when we judge, that it might not be harsh and without mercy, neither that it would be false or hypocritical, but that it would be true and in accordance with your word. We ask it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.